HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome to Jupiter's Almanac. I'm Matthew Rayford, the great-great-great-grandson of Jupiter Gilliard, a former slave who bought the land I now farm in Georgia nearly 150 years ago. Through the years, my ancestors have passed on some essential and hard-earned wisdom about growing and producing the food we eat. It's my great honor to share that inheritance and to invite other farmers from Georgia and around the country to share their tips with you. It's an opportunity for us to slow down and to connect and to plug in. And the farm does that in a way that lets you connect and appreciate the life that exists and nurture and cultivate that. And then extend that to the relationships to the people who are in that house with you and your community. So if you are just starting out, reconnecting with the land or a seasoned farmer, join the conversation. And to be honest with you, it was like, would Warren come out and say, hey, I want to be a farmer? Probably not. I, I consider myself a city kid. You know, when we initially got a horse, you know, I have that New York City mindset, a horse. I'm thinking thoroughbred horse, aqueduct racetrack, <laughs> Belmont racetrack, those type of things, you know, and, and, and slowly but surely I'm starting to understand a lot more. I do remember early on, like, you know, the first month or two of dating, how we would daydream about starting a farm together. And it's kind of like, hold on, let's like pump the brakes and get to know each other first and then talk about that, you know? <laughs> so what got me into chickens? Um, I always joke and say that a chicken saved my life. Um, and it very much so did. I'm interested in black liberation that's ecological and that's not contingent upon... <sighs> these systems giving us anything. There's also something that's beyond this that I want and that I seek for our, for our people, and that's intimacy with the land and that's reliability. And so for us, it's also this idea of connecting people back to the land and connecting our um, folks back to their ancestry. So what does it mean to organically, sustainably farm in our current economy and time? Please subscribe to Jupiter's Almanac wherever you get your podcast.
This episode of Agave Road Trip is brought to you by Sombra Mezcal. Sombra Mezcal actually helps build the brain cells of the children in rural Oaxaca. If you want to find out how, hang on till the end of this episode of Agave Road Trip. In the meantime, strap yourself in. I am Lou Bank. And I am Chava Periban. And this is Agave Road Trip, the podcast where we help gringo bartenders learn about agave and agave spirits in Mexico. And life and love. And what else, Lou? What else do you want to teach people about? There is nothing more than life and love, Chava. That is the beginning, the middle, and the end. I know. So Great. Okay, so this is the coronavirus episodes. Which means that we are locked down. I'm in Chicago. I am in Tacubaya, Mexico City. And so we're just connecting the way the entire world is connecting. Online. Using a little Zoom, using a, a little WhatsApp, using some FaceTime. Uh, and we're mining through these, these, these old interviews that we, uh, we put together over the last couple of years. And Chava, we were speaking to Catalina... Which one is it? Is it Catalina Navarro Sanchez or Catalina Lopez Velasco? I am not very sure, but I'm pretty sure. Like, I think it's Navarro. This is Teacher Chava making the disclaimer that ancient Chava promised. Her correct name is Catalina Lopez Velasco. There you go. So, okay, so you you found a really interesting piece uh, uh listening to that almost at the beginning really listening to that old interview with her uh let's play that tape shall we yeah please let's do that about four young men came from Oaxaca. They were between 20 or 25 years old and said to be students from the Oaxacan Technical School, Icapet. They gave us a workshop that lasted around 15 days. There, they taught us how to harvest the maguey, how to ferment it and cook it, how much sugar it needed to have, and that was it. That was all they taught us. Okay, so I got to tell you, Chava, I find that fascinating for so many reasons. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's craziness. Like, are you kidding me? It's, it's this, because Mistecalta is a massive piece of land, and you have so many people that had agave and did not know anything about it. They did not know you could eat it. They did not know any of the technologies that will make that a valuable asset. Right. And so it's like, like many things in Mexico, it makes me stop and think, okay, are we hearing one person's point of view or was this actually true of the whole community? Mm. And, and for me, like, I really want it to be true. I want it to be accurate that, uh, until those, those kids came out from the school, uh, to teach these people how to make uh, agave spirits. Before that happened, agave was just this thing that grew around them. I think so, yeah. I want to think that because, you know, so often I I hear that this is a thing of tradition and of heritage, and I, I get that. I, I really do understand that and clearly appreciate that. Um, but I also get frustrated when I hear that nobody can start from scratch and do it right, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. Like, there's definitely all these people that say, unless this has not ran in your family for four generations, you don't have the right yeah, you're, yeah. to start. Yeah, you don't have the right. You don't have the right. And that drives me nuts. 
That makes me crazy. But, you know, so that's one piece of what I find fascinating about this. But the other piece that I find fascinating is, you know, I, I talk a lot about the fact that anymore, while I, I really do love these, the taste of these spirits, um, if, if it turned out I was allergic to agave tomorrow, I wouldn't stop doing what I'm doing because to me, it's no longer as much about the spirits as it is about the people. And, you know, the, 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 the expression of this multi-generational wisdom, of this viewpoint of, of how to approach life, the, 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 the way it manifests here uh, most frequently in the USA, I think, is in this 750 milliliter bottle that's labeled <laughs> Mezcal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think it goes so far beyond that. And I think, I think this is sort of a... Um, it's it's one sign of that because okay, th- there's no heritage in Catalina's family or her husband's family of making spirits in this traditional way, this really hard, difficult way, and yet they do. They can they like they why wouldn't they have adopted the easier way of of fermenting in a closed system? Yeah, I, I mean, there's also some practical reasons behind that. Like something that I found fascinating, what she was saying is that they did not have a lot of the tools when they started. And so they didn't know how to meal the agave, so they just used the floor. They used what they had around them, you know? And uh, and another thing that was boggling our minds was that in that area of the Mixteca, we had these hybrid steels where they had a stainless steel vessel on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then on the top, it was clay. And I, I remember saying that, and we were just like making all these speculations about how had they come to it. We sort of addressed that in another of our episodes of the last season. But what Catalina said is these kids came by and that's what they had. Right. And in my mind, really, it's probably they just found a cooking pot in the town. It's like, okay, this is going to be the down vessel. And then they found another cooking pot made out of clay. And it's like, okay, this is going to be the top of the steel. And they sort of started out with what they had at hand. And I think even if Catalina's family did not have a heritage of mezcal making, they have the heritage of living in rural Mexico. And I think that's so much more relevant to making a spirit that has all that information. Because as you say, like, yeah, it's it, like mezcal can be made in an industrial way and it doesn't tell you anything about really what rural Mexico is about. It tells you a different story. That could be a real interesting story. But I think what's very beautiful about her spirits is that you drink that and you're immediately in the Mixteca Alta. Yeah, it takes you yeah, trouble. yeah. Absolutely. It's a, it's a round trip ticket. It is. And sometimes one way ticket. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Depends how much of it you drink, but, uh, sure. sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. In particular with that community too, because that's so far into the Mixteca. Um, that's, you know, you're, you're getting there in a half day drive. Um, even though it's, I don't know what, 90 miles maybe. Yeah. And something that I also found amazing about her is remember she also so, had this spirit made out of uh, this fruit that none of us have ever seen before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was I think they call it itanduchi or something like that. Do you, do you can you recall the name of it? Oh, I, I can't. Um, but it, like when you're saying itanduchi, right? The name of the community was Yutanduchi. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. But it was nice. I I've got a bottle of it, and it's it's rather nice. You kept a bottle? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. oh. Interesting. (laughs) 
You know, did I, did I ever tell you, like, I can't, if we did this in another episode, stop me, but did I tell you the story of how we came to meet Catalina? I don't think you did, really. No, no, no. We, you mentioned her. Actually, that was a big question I had. How did you get to meet a lot of the people that we visited on that trip? But no, please, shoot. Yeah, so uh, once a year, I, um, I I do a trip with Jason Cox, uh, the the guy who uh, who owns Cinco Centitos Agave Spirits, and uh, Jason is like fluent freaking Spanish. He's great, um, and, and but he's a, he's this this really tall, thin white guy. Um, I remember once we we were in this community, and this little kid walked up to him. And said something to him in Spanish, which I didn't recognize, of course. Um, and and Jason just started laughing. And he looked at me and said, "That child just said I am the tallest, whitest person he's ever seen." <laughs> and so so and so Jason and I once a year will get into a car and we'll drive for a few days uh, uh, in search of um, some new new to us mescaleros, and what we have found is when you go on these back roads. It's not like there are a lot of options. It's usually one road for most of the time, and there might be a couple of turnoffs. But basically, if you see somebody walking on that road, you know that they're going to the same place you're going. So you invite them to jump in the car, and and they inevitably ask what two uh, gringos are doing uh, out in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and and we explain that we are looking for, and we say mezcal, right? Because we're there, if we say agave spirits, they're not gonna they're gonna think we're pretentious or something, or we don't understand mezcal. So we say mezcal, and uh, and sometimes they have places to point us. So we picked up this lovely couple, and uh, and and that was the case. They said, oh well, you have to go here and here and here. Uh, like once we get to the town, you take a right and then you make a left, and uh, and you'll see Catalina. And we, we, so, so Catalina could not have known that we were showing up, right? Because we didn't know we were headed there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Jason and I get to her place. And, you know, usually when I show up to a palenque where they, they make agave spirits, when I show up, it's going to be like two, three, four, maybe five stills. And they're going to be like three, four, five, six guys working the, the stills, right? Mm. So we we get there and uh, and there are six stills and all six of them are working. Literally, she's distilling in all six stills, and she's the only one there working it. And she's wow. all of four and a half feet tall, and she's wearing heels and she's wearing <laughs> pearls, and she is rocking all six stills. It was the, you know I I had I've had so many people, including many women, tell me. Women can't make mezcal. There are no mescal- mescaleras. And uh, and I thought right here is the living embodiment of just how wrong you are. Mm. Yeah, and she's amazing. I, I think that was one of the interviews that I loved the most that we did during the whole trip because she was so full of stories. Yeah. Like she like she she was just like a never ending like and you were in, in a schedule, you were like kids, we have to get the hell out of here. We have to do the <laughs> interview about the orno, get all the information you need and let's jump back in the car. It was like oh, but yeah. wait. Wait, Lou, she's talking about a revolutionary event that changed the way they made spirits in this town. And uh, that was nice. That was really great. Well, okay, so we're we're almost at the 12-minute mark here. So um, 
So we're going to wrap it for this episode, but for the next episode, do you want to give her a call and ask her a question? I'll try to give her a call. Uh, we have to understand that she lives rather far away from what most people call civilization, but let's try it. She might, you know, take it and but, tell But do you have cool something stuff. specific you want to add? Like you had a specific story you want? I have a few questions that I would love to ask her. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, let's wrap this and let's call and see if it... Okay, so this has been Agave Road Trip. See ya, guys. This episode of Agave Road Trip was brought to you by Sombra Mezcal. Sombra is a proud member of the 1% for the Planet Committee, donating at least 1% of sales to certified environmental charities and local education initiatives in Oaxaca, including, including Java, Opening Doors, an after-school program in Matatlan. You know anything about that? Well, that was one of my favorite things that I was able to see from the start. And it's Matatlan, it's rather small. And, you know, there's all this talk about if the benefits of mezcal making, of this amazing boom of mezcal making, have translated in the communities. And things as basic education had gotten better. And that's, you know, problematic. But what what Sombra did was like, you know, we're getting bigger. Let's get bigger with the community. So they started funding the local library and started a language program. Because a lot of the kids, they have parents that speak some English. A lot of these people have lived in the United States for a while, and they're really interested in getting better at this language, but there's not such thing as an English after-school program. And that was the first thing that Sombra started doing. And now it has morphed and changed and grown in a lot of different things. I think they even have like a dance program or something like that. <laughs> they have photography classes, nice. you know, but it's just this nice thing that kids can do after school instead of just like playing PlayStation or whatever. That's beautiful. So <laughs> if you want to drink delicious mezcal and destroy your brain cells while building the brain cells of the children in the town of Matatlan where the mezcal was made, go to SombraMezcal.com and you can order a bottle online to be delivered to you. But if you drink as much as Lou does, you're really going to destroy your brain cells. So don't. Just drink a tiny little bit. Be responsible. Hang on, road trippers. We're not done yet. We've got an episode of Chava and Lou's Chat Fest coming up. Welcome to Lou and Chava's Chat Fest, the podcast within a podcast that has absolutely nothing to do with agave, agave spirits, or rural Mexico. Chava, what do you got to chat me up with today? Well, Lou, I think we've said this many, many times, but you and I can't be more different. <laughs> and I think that even our childhoods, not only because you come from a very different place than I do, our childhoods were fundamentally different because we do happen to be to have different religions. And yeah, uh, well, yes, we have different religions. Correct. But which I believe you don't practice. I, I don't quite practice these days. In I, I guess, but uh, but yeah. But I think a lot of the beauty about religion in Mexico, it's uh, as a friend of mine would say, it's more show than practice. It has to do more with the festivities and like all the excuses to that it brings you to have a good time, <laughs> that really to go to church and all that stuff. Okay, I, I think I fundamentally agree with that. And I think one of my favorite memories in my childhood was Los Reyes Magos, the Wizard Kings. And my mm -hmm. family and my parents always told us that Santa Claus was a gringo invention. Oh, that's that's it's absolutely true. Santa Claus was invented by uh, by basically Coca-Cola. Well, yes, and they, uh, he was like, who the hell will believe a fat dude is coming down a chimney? And look, kids, we don't even have a chimney. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
they were very emphatic about letting us know that Santa Claus was not going to make it to our house. If some of our friends were getting access to Santa Claus, it's because their parents were tricking them. But los Reyes Magos were the real thing, the Wizard Kings. And the Wizard Kings were way cooler because, A, there were three guys. So more gifts were involved. You were making yep. your list, targeting each different guy for different gifts. And hang, hang, hang on, sorry, point of clarification, because this is really interesting to me. So were there like specific things you would ask of each person? Like you knew that the, the king from, I don't know, from Spain, <laughs> is he one of the wizard kings? I'm not sure. Actually, like now that you say that, I'm, I'm not absolutely sure of the origins. Uh, I, I believe they just come from like east, west uh, and south. But did you have like, okay, there's the, uh, the, the king who brings you things made from plants and the king who brings you things made from metal. <laughs> like, is there a way to distinguish what you ask of each of the three kings? Well, we never did such specific semantic distribution. Like we were, we were like four, yeah. Like they were, we were four. We're just like the guy with the elephant brings the big things. The guy with the camel brings like the dry goods. I don't know. Can't remember the logic behind it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry to interrupt. You know how specific I like to get on these things. Absolutely, and I think that's good. But uh, but my the coolest part, the real real cool part about this is that my parents will go to great lengths to leave different traces of the animals around the house. <laughs> so I remember uh, when, I was, when we were living in Michoacan, we had a small garden and my mother crafted like just, like if the elephant had crossed the garden, so she she will like draw the paws on the on the on the earth. So we were like, wow, there was a massive elephant here. And they never went to the length to leaving poop behind because I guess they were just afraid that like that was just dirty. But uh but they well, were yes, I think it's fair to say poop is dirty. Yes. yes. And yes. uh and we will also leave leave like little snacks for the wizard kings because they had been working a lot, so they were getting to our house. But just for the just for the wizard kings, not for the animals. Buckets of water for the animals. Oh, that's nice. That's sweet. Yeah, yeah. So like they will have my mother said that actually that was the hardest part. Eating the snacks and throwing away the water that she had filled with the, the buckets of water. <laughs> that, that was the really muscular part. But it was um, awesome. So I'm I'm curious. Was this just something that your mother did, or is this something that all mothers in Mexico? Well, not all clearly, but a lot of mothers in Mexico would do. Well, and I'm pointing to my mother about doing these things because my father, in the meanwhile, was was buying the gifts and hauling them back to the home. So you know, so like at that day, like all the toy stores were closed really late. So the father will go like at 6 p.m. outside, get all the gifts, bring them back to the house. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Are you telling me that all gift purchases for the big celebration of the year are last minute? Well, I, I will claim that. I don't know. That's just how my parents did it. But I wouldn't be so proud. <laughs> <laughs> manana, manana. Seriously? Well, that's how they did it. That's crazy. Yeah, they actually have this story where I really, really wanted a motor, like an electric motorcycle, like a you know four wheel motorcycle when I was a kid. Not like an actual motorcycle, but just like one of these battery operated things that you'd yeah that you'd ride on a sidewalk. Yeah, you, you can run faster than the motorcycle, but it's still cool. You know, it's just like a style yeah. thing. And I was like yeah. four or five, and my father said they like we're in rural Mexico. Trying to find something like that was extremely specific. So he had to travel like <laughs> all the way to Morelia. That was like four hours away. Yeah, they, they have an epic story about that one. Wow. 
Nice. Okay. Well, so that's that's my Reyes Magos story, Lou. That's the end of it. That's beautiful. Well, then for the next Chat Fest, Chava, I'll tell you a story about growing up Jewish in rural Chicago. Suburban Chicago. Oh, no. It was rural when I lived there. <laughs> Seriously. Like, I was in the middle. When we moved into that, I'll save it for the Chat Fest. <laughs> okay. I'll see you next time, Lou. Hasta pronto. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.